This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. By the way, I, I don't know that we picked a winner last hour for whoever came up with the best question. So uh, my apologies if I'm a couple of minutes late. Uh, Matt Blaze, do, do we have a determination? Is there a consensus among you? Yes. Even you, though your answer was so incorrect, it was John in New Jersey about who should get a raise. <laughs> there you go. So well, well, I feel like you're doing pretty well. I, I just... Well, I, I can't know. use a couple of extra bucks. Well, I don't know. Again, I, please. This is where because I don't know how much anybody makes. I, I can't judge who deserves a raise. I just feel like Alex is struggling. I feel like you're not struggling. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. But. All right. All right. So, John in New Jersey, if you want to call back, uh, we will give you a prize. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Meantime, uh, you are in for a treat. We are going to be joined for this hour by two fan favorites, uh, one of um, my closest and oldest friends, Marlena Shivo. She is a satirist and a veteran media producer uh, and a comedian, somebody who is a regular on this show and uh, is an outspoken critic of all things that she finds lackluster in society. Marlena, good morning. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great. You're looking awfully tan. You're having a good summer, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I've been hanging out with uh, Sid Rosenberg. You know, he's been giving me some tips on my color. Good, good, good. I'm glad he's able to give helpful advice to uh, to someone. And someone who is not looking as tan is cab driver, comic, playwright, and radio talk show host John McDonough. John, how are you? Oh, uh, I glow in the dark. You know what, Frank? I, I was I went to sleep before I came here, and I turned on a certain station up the dial. And I heard a voice, and I, you're turning into Dr. Lieberman. No matter where I'm turning in, there, there's Frank Morano. He's on with this guy. He's on with that guy. Good God. You're uh, taking over the airways well, of New York. You're very kind. Hey, John, the last time you were here, you were talking to us about uh, the the fact that one of your stories, you were going to be performing at the Moth. Um, what happened with that? How did that go? It, it went great. It was at the Music Hall in Williamsburg, and... You know, if you're not familiar with the moth, it's on every week on NPR, and it's about storytelling. And it is so professional, so technical. They they give you a director to go over the story, and you change certain words to, to make it sound better. And uh, they invited me back to something called the main stage, which is their their main thing for storytelling. So I told a story about being flown out to California for the Amazing Race and how that ended in disaster, which. A lot of things in my life, too. So it was just another one of them. <laughs> so I, I was telling the story a couple of minutes ago about um, the movement to ban um, horse-drawn carriages in New York. And this is an area where I feel like I'm in the minority and most of New Yorkers are overwhelmingly in favor of keeping the horse-drawn carriages 
in Central Park. As a cab driver, where do you come down on this I, question? I totally support them. A lot of them are Irish immigrants from the west of Ireland who grew up on farms. They know how to take care of horses. So these horses are treated well. What I find, and, and I do in my play off the meter uh, about driving a yellow cab, I do a segment how the horses in Central Park have better benefits than a yellow cab driver. They're in the Teamsters Union, and they're represented by the Teamsters. The actual horses, yeah, not well, the... Yeah, well, the guy maybe with the reins okay. is uh, re- represented. And how they work less hours, they work in better weather conditions than yellow cab drivers. I mean, it's not... But, but I find the hypocrisy of New York classes, that's the one they run around their video cameras. and The NYPD have a mounted division of 55 horses, Never once do I see them go over to the stables on the west side and filming the cops there. Or when the horses are in Times Square, they're not filming them there. They're not uh, going against them. I mean, when Bratton was the police commissioner, his wife was big against the horses in Central Park. She could have had a little word with the husband and say, you know what? Well, let's get rid of the mounted police. You've got 55 horses. Let's send them off to retirement in Pennsylvania. So, I, you know, I just see the hypocrisy because t- today I was coming down Union Turnpike through Forest Park. There's horse stables there that cross over Union Turnpike to get into Forest Park. Mm. So, uh, you know what I mean? This, it's very fashionable. You go to Central Park, you get big news because you're filming it. And, you know, God forbid a horse has a heart attack. I mean, humans are having heart attacks all over New York, and uh, you don't get the publicity. Uh, Marlena, where do yes. you come down on this? I don't know that we've ever spoken about this. Are you uh, are you in favor of keeping the horse-drawn carriages in Central Park, or do you think it's time to... I don't know. Figure something else out. I think it's time to figure something else out. I know it's very quaint and I know that people like it and tourists like it, but I, I've never been a fan of um, uh, the carriages because of the cruelty. It, it's cruel. I, they, know, they, they don't belong in the city. I, I completely agree. And, and I feel like uh, there are there are just way too many instances of these horses ending up hurt in the middle of uh, in the middle of street traffic. Now, and their quality of life in the meantime is terrible, even if they don't get injured. Well, the, so the city councilman, Robert Holden from Queens, Democrat, yeah, but a very councilman. conservative Democrat. Yeah. Is he your councilman? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. great guy and um, he, somebody that uh, I have a lot of respect for. He's proposed this legislation to uh, give these drivers preferential treatment for other jobs. Now, if the drivers are taken care of, John... Does that alter your view at all about that's up to them? But I, I still why are we not having the discussion about the mounted police? They're living in stables over in the west side. They're in the middle of Times Square with thousands of people roaming through crowds. If there's a riot in New York, who's out there? The, the mounted patrol is just driving through people, crushing people, trampling over them. But yet we're fixated on the horses in Central Park. You would have more of an argument if you were coming out and saying, listen, I'm going to a demonstration over at the, where the horses for gotcha. the mounted police over gotcha. on the west side. All right. Let me ask you both about this, because this is something that uh, I think everybody in the New York region is going to be dealing with sooner rather than later. That's the issue of congestion pricing. There is a, uh, you know, a push for congestion pricing. The real two questions are, one, when is this going to start? And two, how much is it going to be? Ultimately, it seems like it's a done deal in terms of congestion pricing happening. Mark Levine, the Manhattan borough president, is urging for you know this to be started right away and for it to be uh, you know, a pretty pricey proposition. Uh, Marlena, you drive in from New Jersey. 
what's your take? And you used to be a Manhattanite, so you can kind of speak to this from both levels. What, what's your take on the idea of congestion pricing? Um, well, I think everything is overpriced. So, I mean, I don't think that it's fair to charge people even more money in general for anything anymore. Is that what you're asking me right now? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, John, where do you come down? I, I hate it. Uh, just another tax for the outer boroughs to come into Manhattan, to go to Times Square. And now they're even doing it by the size of the car. They said you'll be charged more if you have an SUV. So God forbid you live in Queens and Brooklyn and you got a family and you want to bring them into the city. Now it's going to put people off because that's another added expense. Never mind that you can't find parking because of the bike lanes, the bus lanes and everything else. They're going to add that on, and I think it's ridiculous. Well, they now, the already old- added on if you want to go in a parking garage. The bigger your car, the more you pay. Right, but you can still go to a parking meter if you're down on the Lower East Side and you know, and, and put it there and not be charged extra just because of the size of your car. That's true. So I, I, I just think it's just another added tax for the outer boroughs to come in. Now, the only thing that's coming out of this that might work, because when this was first introduced – They were thinking about putting tolls on the 59th Street Bridge, of course, on the Queens side, never the Manhattan side. But now with the technology, they could take the pictures of the plates. And they were talking about shifting the price of the tolls, say, from the Midtown to 59th Street, which would shift traffic, say, over to the Williamsburg or the Brooklyn Bridge if they're charging tolls on all the bridges and forcing traffic and and hopefully diluting it to other bridges because – in the morning, if you're trying to get into Manhattan on a Midtown Tunnel, everybody's getting off Van Dam Street to get to 59th Street to save your 6 or $7. So that might prevent some of that and keep people saying, you know what, I'm going to pay a toll to 59th Street Bridge. I might as well stay on the Midtown Tunnel. By the way, just go back to our previous subject of the horse-drawn carriages. I just got an email here from uh, Bernard Getz and uh, Marlena. He seems to be more in our favor than John's. He said the carriage horses were badly taken care of. You could easily smell them two blocks away. That's not normal for horses. So uh, Bernie Getz is on the same side as us. Well, isn't that a treat? Indeed it is. All right. Um, So now the the big question today, and if people have questions for John McDonough, Marlena Shiva, or me, you're welcome to call in 800-848-9222. The big question today seems to be when Donald Trump will be announcing his campaign for president. It seems, uh, and this is based on reports of folks in the know in Trump world, it seems like his decision has already been made. But the big trade, the big question mark is when he's going to make a determination about announcing his candidacy. Now, if he wins, he will be among the oldest people ever to serve as president. He won't be the oldest because the oldest person ever to serve as president will have been Joe Biden. So you're going to have a situation in 2024 where it's very likely that you have 82-year-old Joe Biden running against 78-year-old Donald Trump. This has a lot of people wondering, all right, there's a minimum age to be president. It's 35. Is there... Should there be a maximum age to serve in public office? There's a maximum age for judges in New York State and in New Jersey, not on the federal bench, but there's a maximum age for a whole bunch of things, maximum age for a lot of civil servants. Should elected officials have to have a maximum age requirement? Marlena, what do you think? Well, okay, so I think it should just 
go everybody's different at every age right so uh, some, one 80 year old you can't compare to another 80 year old now right now i think people are questioning it because joe biden it doesn't seem well and he doesn't seem capable even though his doctor has cleared him as being capable and i think that's part of the problem if 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 his doctors are being honest <laughs> Um, I, I think that there needs to be a little bit more transparency about the health of whatever leadership, you know, is in, in office, whether it be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. So I think it would be ageist to put a limit on it. Um, I think it just comes down to um, your cognitive abilities in general. Uh, John, what do you think? The, it, it, first of all, we should be talking about the health of the political system. These people get into office and they never leave. I, I, I just wrote down some of the ages. Biden, 79. Trump, 76. Pelosi, 82. Schumer, the young guy, 71. Leahy, 82. Feinstein, 89. Sanders, 80. Who could come into the system when these guys won't leave? They got great pensions. And, and I think the biggest disgrace that's going on now here on the east side is Jerry Nadler, 75, Going against Carolyn Maloney, 76. When are these people going to leave? Why would a young people get involved with well, politics? Well, there is a young person running against the two of them, right? I mean, uh, yeah, the, but people you know, can, Frank, you're people a political vote. guy. Once you get into office, where's the money going to and, and how they, they, they're entrenched there? That What are, what are they, like that 99%? It's almost like the Russian courtroom. I mean, you're, you're going to get in. So there should be a limit. they got to get out. There's a limit for pilots on the plane. Frank, if you're in LaGuardia Airport and you saw Joe Biden shuffling towards you and they go, oh, there's your pilot. I'd be pretty uh, nervous. I, let me check. i, I got to get another flight. I mean, this is ridiculous that Biden could be the leader of the free world. He, he, they have to watch when he sleeps. they got to watch what he eats. He's tripping over wires. He's doing phantom handshakes. He's falling I mean, off bikes. Is, yeah. he's. I mean, this is ridiculous. There's got to be a limit. you got to get out. You can't be a fireman. You can't be a cop. Do you want a Joe Biden or running a into a firehouse or a fire or, or trying to arrest somebody at his age? I mean, well, come on. so but I, I guess the question is, uh, should presidents be in the same condition that you need to be to put out a fire? Well, I, I, I don't know that you should be. No, right? listen, they got to go because no young person now is going to get involved with politics. They say, why bother that person in my area? I don't care what it is. I mean, now with the council, there is a changeover. But to Marlena's point, right, there, there are some 80 year olds that are very sharp and uh, there are some 80 year olds that are not so sharp. So shouldn't the voters be the ultimate arbiter of that decision rather than some blanket rule? No, no. That guy that's in there, that's 80 years old, he has his campaign contributions come in. He puts the squeeze on them. A young guy coming up, trying to make his way into politics. It's over. He, he won't even think about it. So you have no young ideas. You, all you have to do is look at the hearings when they're doing hearings on technology. These guys wouldn't know the Internet from TikTok to this and that, and yet they're going to be making laws on that. If you had a young person come in that could see the future and see what's going on. You, you look at Silicon Valley. Are there 80-year-old guys out there inventing anything? No, it's all young guys just getting out of college, coming up with new John, ideas. John, I am so glad you were not in charge of the entertainment industry because I didn't see Cher in concert until she was 73. Right. And I'm so, I'm glad that there was no age limit on that because— She doesn't affect my life. Absolutely. She doesn't pass bills. I, I did she preface sings. this by saying entertainment industry. I'm glad you're not in charge of the age of the entertainers right. because— and I, and I saw Bette Midler in Hello, Dolly. 
Kelly, and she was also in her seventies, and she was amazing. So, all right, but uh, yeah, no, but I, but 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 that's to my point. So they are completely with it. Well, I don't know. Cher could maybe not can be considered. No, completely well, she's good. able. She's but up to the job. She's definitely. Yeah, you you won't see Joe Biden doing half the things she was doing on stage, and I do think it comes down to the person and not necessarily just the number. All right, let me ask you guys about a guy that is very spry for his age, maybe very spry. Does he for look good for his age? age? Um, so, so you, you're teasing me. I, I told you that before because you're, you're, Franco's, you look you're, good for your age. Yeah, but, but like, was, the last uh, four words of that phrase. I, I was intentionally is, being, you know, teasing and, and you're giving me a hard time, but, um, Elon Musk's father, Errol, 76 years old. And now, um, we're learning that he had a, uh, he sired a child just a few years ago, uh, when he was in his 70s, and evidently the mother of this child is his stepdaughter. Now, Errol Musk is a wealthy South African engineer, and he um, had this relationship with his stepdaughter, and now apparently they have a three-year-old named Jana. Um, Marlena, let me begin with you. G- give me your thoughts on uh, Errol Musk having a child at 76, number one, but in doing it with his stepdaughter, number two. This, this has always grossed me out, and it will always gross it will always gross me out. It reminds me of like the, you know, the Anna Nicole Smith thing. It's a little bit different here, I guess. This guy wasn't as old, obviously, but that's so disgusting. A 41 year age difference is so gross to me when it comes to like. Men and women. Well, what's an appropriate age difference? Um, what's the maximum that you're willing to accept? Um, I would say like, oh my god, I don't know. Any, I guess like I'll say twelve years is 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 probably the maximum because fifteen gets gross too. Um, but so I don't know. It just grosses me out. 41 years is excessive, you know. Although I mean, I guess there are exceptions to the rule if they like if they're like again. If they're a young, you know, I don't know. I mean, Bill Maher is like 65 years old and he's definitely with it. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for his looks. But, um, you know, I could see somebody going for him. Well, how do That's you know a lot younger. Musk is not with it? I mean, it's not that he's not with it, but it's just gross. It's physically, physically grosses me out. That's the, all I'm saying. So the aspect that's gross As a woman. is not that this was his stepdaughter it's that he's well, old. Well, that it was the obvious gross out. I mean, that's just disgusting. I mean, you just that's just really gross. Um, that 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 he was obviously this girl's father figure at some point. That that's disgusting. But also, aside from that, the age difference alone is um is just obnoxious. All right. Um, do you you don't think so? Because when you're 76, if you could bag a 35 year old, you're into it. I don't think the age difference is the gross part about it. I, I, you know, the thing that I have I have trouble with is the stepdaughter part of it. I I, I don't um, I I have a hard time I have a hard time with that. Even though it's legally a, a certain issue and genealogically a certain issue, I you know the fact that you're ever you ever have the title father whether it's father stepfather father-in-law 
That I find pretty creepy. It is creepy, but yeah, but the age difference doesn't creep you out at no, all. No, I'm okay. No, you're, I'm okay so you're into it. Have it you, John. Let me uh, go. Uh, first of all, it's not the age difference. <laughs> the age, no, oh, the age doesn't no, matter. No, no, no. It's the bank account difference. <laughs> that's, where, that's, what, that's where the big difference is. If he was bagging groceries at Stop and Shop, he's not sawyering kids. And there is a way we're looking at this stranger. We look at him as sort of quirky. He's rich. And then we look at Nick Cannon as a lunatic. Who's going around siring and spreading the seed all throughout the country? So there, there, there is a different way we look. That, that the richer you are, you go. Well, you know what? He can afford to take care of the kid, no matter what age. I said, oh, come on, you got to be kidding me. Well, look, I, I think there's, um, you know, we we should all maybe think twice about bringing children into this world when we're in when we're over a certain age, but. I don't know. I feel like seventy six. You're right on the right on the border, oh. right oh, on the border. Okay. What's what's okay? I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, the, we did a story about um, somebody in their nineties a couple of weeks ago that was fathering a new child. That I thought was irresponsible because oh. you're, you're not going to be around. I'm so glad you drew the line. I did, uh, right? yeah, but there is a difference, oh, right? God. And the, the line is different depending on the circumstances. But exactly. You know, so we, so so Joe Biden is in his late seventies. But that's okay. why, like, I think look, Biden is in a different situation than say Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Like you could tell Bernie Sanders is still pretty sharp. You could tell Donald Trump is still pretty sharp. Joe Biden, I don't think you could say that about at the age that he's now. So ultimately, I think that the judges of that, not the siring children, but the holding elective office should be the the voters. They shouldn't be. It shouldn't be this arbitrary rule. It should be up to us. All right. If we're stupid enough to elect somebody that can't speak in a coherent sentence, then that's on us. But, you know, maybe there's an 85-year-old, an 86-year-old. You know, the the mayor of uh, Tinton Falls, New Jersey, for instance, is in his 90s, and they love him out there. He just got elected, just got reelected. He's apparently doing a great job. So if you're able to be sharp until a certain age, why shouldn't the voters or a potential mate be able to choose you, right? <laughs> I don't know. All right, 800-848-9222. We have two fan favorites in studio, Marlena Shivo and John McDonough. Uh, we're, we have a host of issues that we're going to get into throughout the course of the hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Daddy Straight issues. <laughs> the Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. And the Four Seasons uh, singing Marlena. Marlena Shivo was in studio. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, Marlena Shivo is a very interesting person. 
Uh, you can uh, check her out on MarlenaShivo.com or find her on all sorts of social media at Marlena Shivo. She is a veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic. Also joined in studio by uh, John McDonough, a cab driver, comic, playwright, and radio talk show host. Uh, John, what's happening with you uh, playwright-wise? Did I see you were at this uh, Greek cultural center in Astoria recently? Funny you should bring that up. Uh, The Greek cultural center is having me in September, in the last week of September, uh, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, to do the play. And I had a meeting with the board. off the meter. Off the meter about my 40 years of driving a cab. And the sound guy is a Greek guy who... Used to drive a cab and own his medallion. So there's a lot of Greek people used to drive. But we were talking about who I come. And I said I was coming on WABC. And they said John McCasmatidis and his wife have been to the center. And his daughter has been to the center. So I'm I'm putting out the invitation because John Casmatidis, like Curtis, he doesn't sleep. And he listens (laughs) to you. So John and the wife, there's two empty seats they already wrote down if they want to come to see the play at the end of September. That's in September. If people want to go, can they buy tickets? No, not yet. Yeah, it hasn't went up, but okay. it, it will be going up very right. shortly. Well, we'll talk before that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. exciting. Uh, that's some play. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm told it's, no, uh, it's quite good. All right. Uh, we're talking with um, Marlena Shivo and John McDonough, 800-848-9222. Let me, let me get your take on this before we get to the calls. A lot of people have been very patiently holding to talk to both of you. Uh, speaking of Elon Musk, and uh, Elon Musk apparently is now finally explaining his infamous poop emoji response to a lengthy discussion of spam bots by Twitter's CEO. And um, apparently Elon Musk had tweeted a poop emoji on May 16th in response to a lengthy thread by the Twitter CEO who defended the company's assertion that fake accounts comprised less than 5% of the overall user pool. So in a new tweet on Thursday, Musk addressed uh, Twitter's citation of the exchange in its lawsuit demanding that Musk follow through on his $44 billion purchase of the company. I guess uh, this was his way of saying that he didn't buy what Twitter was selling. What's your take on this as a legal defense, Marlena? I mean, it's a stretch. I mean, they're trying to show that he has been disparaging the company um, because he sent a poop emoji. Um I don't know so much that um, I don't know. I, I'm not a lawyer, but I just feel like it, it, it. It's 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 tough. I feel like that this is going to be like a long battle. But I don't understand the. Uh, I don't understand Elon Musk at all right now because I feel like he's been dragging his feet with this entire Twitter thing, and they're saying that the breakup fee would just be a billion dollars. Is that right? Like, so he could get out of the forty-four billion by just paying a billion. So. If I were him and this is what he's trying to do, if he's trying to back out or if he's trying to, like, strike a deal for, like, I don't know, $10 billion less, like, wouldn't you just pay the billion and walk away? Well, I, I mean, I guess he well, – you'd think so, right? And it's probably less than a billion when you deal with tax liability and everything. But, yeah, that makes makes sense. John, your, your thoughts on the Elon Musk Twitter deal in general and these, this poop emoji specifically? Well, I, the one thing I, I do like, he's, he wants to shake up Twitter. And the one thing that I want, because I can hardly spell right, and you put out that Twitter and you look at it, they want oh. to put in an edit into Twitter. Long uh, overdue. Uh, long overdue, and it can't. But it also, it brings out to me the crazy in Trump. Because, you know, here's Trump going around the country now rubbishing uh, Elon Musk. 
Why is he involved with this? Because now you know Rosie O'Donnell is about two tweets away from <laughs> Donald Trump getting involved with mm-hmm. his madness. So that's why I, I like it in this sense, because now we're starting to see Trump, the crazy Trump, coming back out. Because now that he hasn't run in a while, so you forget about his crazy tweets. You walk up every morning and go, oh, what country to declare war on today? And and <laughs> the other day, he's he's going, oh, it's BS. I had him on his knees. I'm there like, what? You, you want to run for president, and this is how you're talking about other people? So it, it brings us back to why, thank God, he's not president. All right, 800-848-9222. A lot of people eager to talk with uh, with both of you. Let me say hello to Denise on Long Island. Hello, Denise. Yes, hi, Frank. I'd like to add to be listed, well, along with Marlena, with you and Bernie, that I am definitely against the carriage horses. I was immersed in that years ago. And you want to know something? There's too many, and you can't have enough station time to go over all the documented instances of animal abuse. It is absolutely cruel, okay? And the fact that uh, I think John said because of their background gives them an inherent ability of how to take care of these horses is just plain false information or misconception. Where's, where's your anger towards the mounted people. police of the NYPD? The mounted police, I was very involved with, as a matter of fact. I spoke with them on numerous occasions, and I almost got a horse. And I also uh, wanted to know about, you know, where the sanctuary was and such. They're very well taken care of, okay? And they're not taken out in certain weather. I mean, like the carriage horses, uh, they're supposed to be weather conditions. I believe it was years ago because it was years ago I was immersed like, and it's all political, okay? It's all political. I mean, the weather conditions, not below 19 uh, degrees, not above 91 degrees, but that doesn't factor in the humidity factor, et cetera, et cetera, or the fact that they're walking behind buses and inhaling fumes, et cetera, et cetera, okay? But and as far as the tourism, give me a break. If you think that people are coming to New York for tourism, for carriage horse rides, but we have the best museums, the best theater, the best restaurants, then somebody's got their head in the sand. But I have to tell you, as I said, Frank, the beginning beginning opening remark I made was I was immersed in this. And there was someone, I don't even remember his name, I wish I did. He was a lawyer who gave his services pro bono. And uh, so many cases went to trial, and everything was just shot down because it's all political. And, and you know, all the arguments to keep carriage horses, all the, and, and, and I think there's other countries even in Europe and other states that have even banned them. All right, Denise, thank you. So, John, it sounds like you're a real jerk. I don't know what to <laughs> Listen. tell you. I'm, well, being a jerk, I'm probably in the majority uh, of New Yorkers. But, you know, I always think it's a hypocrisy. She goes, oh, the horse carriages, they're out behind buses. The mounted police are in the middle of riots. They're in the middle of Times Square. They're in the middle of pollution on 45th Street, 46th. You ever come out of Broadway? Mm. There's all the horses up on the sidewalk and everything. I mean, come on. Alex know. is in Brooklyn. Hello, Alex. Yeah, hi, Frank, and hi, people. Um, Frank, before I get to my comment, I actually want to try asking the two of your guests a question that I asked you about Elon Musk. I think it was at the beginning of this okay. week. Um, I, I don't know the name of your two guests. so John and Marlena, but go ahead. John and Marlena, what do you think is Elon Musk's biggest regret of his life, and it's something that was out of his control? <laughs> 
How would I know? <laughs> I don't know the guy. I know him from page well, six. When I'll tell you the answer, you'll agree Oh, well, agree then with me. you should give us the answer because I don't know. The fact, <laughs> the fact that he wasn't born in the United States because that means that he can't run for president. And that would have been the next major move in his career. Would it have been? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You I don't, don't think so. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that he would have run for president, actually. Okay. Not that I'm an Elon Musk historian or even an enthusiast at this point, but no. I mean, he was looking to move to Mars. I mean, <laughs> I think he's done with this planet. Okay. Uh, all right. So then that wasn't his biggest, the biggest regret of his life. But Maybe it was fathering 10 kids with a bunch of random girls. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, um, I think that at any age you should be able to run for president but i think that every candidate should have to have a, a, a minimum amount of public appearances unlike joe biden who was hiding in the basement and just had those ads going around for him all right thanks looking for him all right thank you uh anything else either of you want to add to alex's comment no good okay 800-848-9222 apparently naomi- we're the two musketeers <laughs> Na- naomi in queens hello naomi hi how are you great Yes, um, I had a question. Um, what do they do with all the drugs they confiscate uh, from these uh, people who cross the border who who are illegally? I heard uh, what millions and millions dollars worth of fentanyl and other drugs. They what use them as stocking stuffers. Right. Well, hopefully somebody's indulging in them. Hopefully well, somebody's. Listen, they made a movie one. about it. It was called The French Connection. That's where it goes. Disappears from the uh, the station house. Right. Yeah. Either <laughs> of you want to weigh in on speculating what happens to the drugs that they get? They're gifted. They get the... <laughs> All right. They get. I hope so. I hate to see them being, you know, just going to waste like that. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Michael is on the Upper East Side. Hello, Michael. Michael. Hey. Um, I was curious, uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, the, uh, what's his name? McDonough. Yeah, apparently people do people accuse him of making hackneyed remarks. That's very funny. I can't believe you waited on, on, on hold that long. You get it. Hackneyed remarks. You get it because he's a hack. I I don't think I can go on. Oh, boy. That's what I get for taking phone calls. Jay in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hello, Jay. Great show, Frank. We used to have the horse carriages here, and, you know, everybody's in a hurry, and they they had a couple of accidents. Uh, Inebriated drivers ran into the carriages, so eventually they got rid of them. But it was the, you know, the care. PETA PETA got involved in it, and they made a big issue about it. They're out of their element. The, The carriages are in the city. You know, go to the country and take a horse ride. You know, all right. So it sounds like you, you're in the camp with Marlena, me, Bernie Getz, that it's time for these horses to end. Agreed. OK, fair enough. Thank you, Jay. I feel the same way about the racetrack, by the way. Yeah. Bob Barker, same. When I had him on this show, he was fired up about these racetracks. And yeah. they, they've apparently made some changes to the horse racing tracks to make them more humane. Uh, but um you know, a lot of folks actually. Are... My my next door neighbor is a horse trainer. Um, that's what he does. He has like a little jockey in front of his garage and everything. And um, at Mammoth Race, uh, the race, uh, whatever they call it, oh. raceway. Um, anyway, so I I actually never go to the racetrack because I I don't. First of all, I don't even find it enjoyable. I'm not a big gambler, and I just think it's strange. Um, 
all together and I didn't really want my kids going, but we went there. Did I tell you about this, how we went there? You, you told me in advance. I didn't hear about the postmortem. So we have uh, friends in New York or like like acquaintances in New York that actually have a horse. And this horse was racing at uh, at the racetrack in Monmouth. And, um, and then, so they came down, we met them there, you know, we agreed to go and their horse wins. So not only are my kids now at the racetrack where I really Mm -hmm. don't love now, they're like, come on and come into the winner's circle. Now here we are. I'm like, no, it's okay. You guys go. It's your horse. No, 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 no. Come in. Now they're taking pictures of us next to this horse that won with this jockey. And I'm like, this is like. The nth degree of the racetrack world that I don't even want to be a part of, and now I just got sucked into. So um, let me ask you both about this. Uh, you you both have lived in New York for years, and you, I'm sure, have seen the changes in New York of mm-hmm. late. New York was ranked the world's the world's second dirtiest city due to rampant rats and foul-smelling piles of trash. This is according to a new poll uh, from Time Out. They came in second to Rome as the filthiest city on the planet, while uh, Glasgow, Scotland placed third. Um, One, do you agree with this characterization of New York as the second filthiest city on the planet? And what do you think this means for kind of, I don't know, uh, the future of New York's uh, possibilities of a, as a tourism hub. I, I don't even. Well, I don't know about the tourism so much, but if I, I don't, and I also haven't been to every city in the world, but it doesn't shock me that it it would be ranked this way because it is absolutely vile. And it was. I, I mean, I lived here for fifteen years, and you know, I hated being here in the summer because you could smell the trash, and then all the roaches would come out, and the and, and they can't get a handle on the rats, and it's and it's. And it's pretty gross. But um, what I do find amazing is that it doesn't affect the real estate here at all. Like the, nothing affects the real mm. estate at all. It, you still cannot live here comfortably. Well, and, and the rents are going up and up and up and up. You have a, a limited supply of places to live and a limitless demand. You'll have some, you know, Arab sheik that will spend a million dollars to have a condo that he can live in one weekend a month, right? But um, b- before the real estate comment, y- your take, John, on well, New York being I so filthy. I think the sad part of this is that we're only number two. <laughs> and I think if we give it another couple of months, we can attain number one. I've been to Rome and Glasgow. I really think we can beat them out. But I think this is a conspiracy theory that was put into the papers in order to justify the rescinding of alternate side parking. Because they're going to blame it all on that. Because of COVID, we couldn't uh, move the cars from one side to the other. And now they brought it back. And that these silly sweepers that are going up and down the street, thank God I live in a neighborhood in Queens where there's no alternate side, although I can't find parking. But if I did find parking, I don't have to move it in the morning. But I I don't see any difference. I go around. I I think it's actually better now because things are in the plastic bags. There used to be the big iron canisters that were outside and the top was open and the rats were getting in. I I, I think it's gotten better. But then again, I'm born and raised here. You get become numb to it. I actually think number two is the perfect ranking, (laughs) just like the poop emoji. We're number one. (laughs) USA. Uh, 800-848-9222. This is a story that I mentioned yesterday, and I want to get both of you to comment on this. 
a gentleman in Oklahoma, Larry Sanders, no relation to either the uh, the talk show host or the um, brother of Bernie Sanders. This fella is blaming Bigfoot on essentially why he killed his fisherman buddy. Essentially, this fellow is saying that he killed his friend while fishing because he thought that the person that he killed would feed him to Bigfoot. Now, shockingly, the police are saying that this person might have been under the influence of something. Marlena, your your take on this. Do you think Bigfoot could have been responsible here? I don't think that. I mean, come on. This is like asking me about Elon Musk's regrets. It's like, um, okay, so um, this guy is not mentally well. Um, so we should probably elect him in office. No, but he... He he thinks that he was going to get killed by Sasquatch and his friend was setting him up. This is it, this actually reads like the Onion or the Babylon Bee. You know, Frank, when you sent me that to talk about it, you know, as soon as I saw the story, I said, "Well, there's Frank's show on Monday." <laughs> and I said, "I see is now producers they're trying to get in contact with the guy or his lawyer." Well, so but see, we we talk about Bigfoot or you know other similarly crazy things. As if they're serious subjects worthy of exploration. This is, you know, a, I think, a pretty pathetic attempt to get out of a murder. I mean, I, I see very little to it. It's them. a sequel to Deliverance. Come on. It, indeed it is. All right. <laughs> We're going to continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. Marlena Shivo is here. John McDonough is here, by the way. Marlena Shivo may soon be a candidate for a... Uh, Board of Election position near you, Board of uh, board of Education position near you. We'll find out what it was like for her to undergo the process of interviewing to be on the Board of Education. You're not going to want to miss that, believe me. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Moreno. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano with you uh, until, um, you know, I don't know, another two hours or so, uh, or until we get bored. If you want to comment on anything we're discussing, 800-848-9222. Joined in studio by two of my favorites, John McDonough is here. He is a uh, talk show host. He is a comic. He is a playwright and uh, a cab driver, a very interesting fellow. Uh, also joined by Marlena Shivo. Uh, she is equally interesting, a veteran media producer, a satirist, and a social critic. This story I find uh, pretty frightening. Even though I don't go to a chiropractor regularly, I do crack my neck obsessively. And one of the most frightening things I'd ever heard is Kevin Sorbo, who played Cir- uh, Hercules. He claimed that when a chiropractor cracked his neck, he had a stroke. And uh, now a twenty-one, a 28-year-old woman, healthy woman, Caitlin Jensen, says four arteries became dissected in her neck as a result of her visit to a chiropractor where she had an adjustment to her neck. Now, 
I she didn't say it. Well, her family said it, right? right. Obviously. <laughs> so I um, found it really frightening when Kevin Sorbo said this, and it caused me to stop cracking my neck for a couple of months. And then I found other people that gave me, I don't know, encouragement to continue cracking my neck. But I find this really bizarre. Um, Caitlyn Jensen's mother, Darlene, told uh, WSB-TV that uh, the doctors who have evaluated her daughter said her injuries were a direct result of the neck manipulation done by her chiropractor. Are you a chiropractor person? Yes. You are. Yeah, because I have... So much pain in my lower back, and I'm always at the chiropractor. Um, and it, that's always been my fear that because it's not that they don't know what they're doing, but they could mess up. You know, just could be a case of human error. Error. Um, and it, but my back is so bad. The friend of mine has been asking me to try this like MUA method, where it's like manipulation under anesthesia. So it, you're like in a twilight state. I haven't done it, but you're in a twilight state, right? So it, you're you're more loose than you know. You won't brace yourself, so they can really just manipulate like everything and move it around more. And that scared me because I'm like, I don't know. I mean, what if? What if they just do too much and then I just like wake up out of this twilight state in in a, in a worse state, you know? And then this came out. I'm not kidding you. Hours after our conversation oh. <laughs> and the story, I, and I just send it to her, and I'm just like, I can't. I, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna have to figure out. An John, what, what's way. your story? You're a chiropractor guy. Uh, no, I, I've never been to it. Now I would have to question what is the licensing licensing process. To become a chiropractor, would you have to work for the mob or something? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you'd really have to look into the person's background that that's doing something like this. I don't know. I, it would put me off going when you read a story like that. I mean, do you crack God. your own neck? No, I don't crack it. But now that you're talking about it, I'm swiveling it around. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, it seems all right. But no, I, I don't crack anything. I crack my knuckles. That that's about it. Right. But, well, yeah. so do I. I crack everything. Knuckles, right. neck, back. I, I crack obsessively, obsessively. Yeah, yeah, I... And and stories like this, I find uh, <laughs> I find pretty frightening. Uh, hey, um, before we run out of time here, there was a story in the Huffington Post about uh, the sort of things that IT workers have found on company laptops. Now, these are company laptops, not personal laptops. These are things that these are essentially work computers. And evidently, there's everything from secretly snapped foot photographs to love letters to colleagues tech workers have found some pretty strange stuff on company computers uh porn obviously is right up there uh marlena what's your deal have you been given a company issued laptop at different points in your career and did you put all sorts of illegally downloaded movies music and tv on never um you know and i also had company issued phones and you know i had made the mistake of making personal phone calls on them not not that anything oh was no, not nothing that was racy or but it's it was out of convenience like i'm you know away on a job or like i'm working and so i have my work phone in my hand and my other phone is somewhere else so i'm texting so everyone had like two phone numbers for me for the longest time and i can't tell you for so long like I've had um, like doctors' offices and all these other places like calling this like work cell phone. It, it causes so much mm. stress. It's not the same as downloading porn or 
Did you see some of the other stuff that people left well, inside said, their computer? Said, what did they leave? <laughs> Instead of just the stuff that they found on the like the actual laptop on the hard drive, they were finding stuff in the computer, like in the laptop, like closed into it, like used condoms oh, and boy. like <laughs> yeah, dead dead bugs and urine. Like it was gross. Like it was food. People left sandwiches in their closed laptops. <laughs> Like who are these disgusting people? I bet they live in New York. Well, in the filthiest city, second filthiest city. Uh, John, uh, I'm guessing as a cab driver, you haven't had many opportunities to have a company issued. No, I I, I have a regular one, but this all ties into Hunter Biden, his laptop for hell. (laughs) But you know what is the ironic? Reading the story that you sent me there, they found everything. They found porn. They found this. They found that. The only thing they couldn't find was your passwords. (laughs) I I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they say, you know what? We found these passwords to Netflix. Good God, I never, I would never. Would have found it, but that's the only thing they can't even find on Hunter Biden's laptop is his passwords. Uh, Marlena, before we get they out, they don't of need here, them. They hacked into it. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I mentioned that uh, that you had sought a seat on the board of education in your in your school district, yeah. and uh, you've been very critical of um, things like masking of students and things of that nature. What made you want to be on the board of education? Well, no, to begin the, with? the thing that really I had be, I started going to the meetings when I realized no one was going, and you started to realize that people were making decisions in a vacuum, right? And the big thing for me that I talked about on the show was how they did away with the library and they put in like a gaming center and so and it's a K through 12 school and so and I would go every month to these meetings and I would bring this up about or can we have a library I mean there's a whole space you know left over from this room and zero change was happening so then someone resigns from the board and multiple people come to me saying this is your opportunity you know this is this is your moment to jump in and try to do something because what you're doing now isn't obviously doing anything, which I already knew. And so, um, yeah, I applied, I applied for the position, but because it was an unfinished term and it's an interim spot, and then you would have to actually be on the ballot in November, like that's when the public votes. But right now you had to interview with the actual board, the same people I've been in the room with for a year, Barking at. I see. Well, so I'm sure I'm sure this goes over really well. So, for instance, the board will say to you when your interview begins. All right. You know, before we get started, I just want to let you know that if you don't get this, we appreciate you coming in. No, no, no. Let's 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 start over. This is a reenactment of pretty much how it went. Okay, You're the so, board member. All right, so I'm a board member. Before we get started, I want just want to let you know that if you don't get this, we appreciate you coming in today. Sure. Uh, all right, thank you again for being our first interview. We needed to get this part of our day out of the way. And just note, if you don't get this, you should still keep coming to the meetings in your spare time. Absolutely. Okay, uh, let's get started. Marlena, why are you here? Because by law, it's your job to review all the applicants for the vacancy. Anyone else have a question for uh, Marlena? Uh, Yeah, I'm just looking around at your resume, and uh, you have done a lot of cool things. Which would you say is your favorite? Oh, is the interview over? Is this the part where we're just chatting? (laughs) Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I have a question. Is it true you're a helicopter mom? Uh, Actually, I I identify as a drone. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Even if you don't get this position, you can petition for the November ballot. And thank you once again for your time. No, really. Thank you. So, shockingly, they picked someone else. (laughs) Yeah, shocker. Shocker. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to the Fugazi Tom in the Bronx. Hello, Fugazi Tom. 
Hey, my man. Okay, I want about the horses. You know, I don't even like cops riding horses because they they are not efficient. You know, it's too crowded down there. They might get hit by a car. They might run over people. So horses to be in Manhattan doing any kind of service, I don't like it. And, and as far as Bigfoot, nobody's ever Bigfoot has never been caught. You know, never been caught. You know, so that leads me to believe that, you know what I'm saying? They have never caught a Bigfoot. So, so that leads me to believe that he don't exist. Go ahead. Well, it sounds like you think this could be a very tough defense for this guy, this Oklahoma guy that killed his fisherman buddy. Uh, Janet is in Manhattan. Hello, Janet. Oh, hi. I have a solution to the rat problem, or I should say uh, the, Cuban pe- the Cuban scientists have a solution to the rat problem, and all we have to do is establish permanent normal trade relations with Cuba, a very simple thing to do. I'm sure you'll agree. And the reason they say that is I heard BBC about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, they reported on some of the scientific advances, and apparently Cuba has quite a number of scientific advances, some related to health but they also have, at that time, the world's only environmentally safe rat poison. And when they say environmentally safe, I'm not sure exactly what that means. I don't know if that means if you accidentally swallowed a cup of it, it wouldn't kill you. But it means if accidentally you got some on your fingers or your kids did or your pets did, it wouldn't hurt anybody. It only hurts rats. All right, Janet. We're going to have to end it there. Any any reaction, either of you? Well, I just want to know if this um, rat poison that she speaks of by the Cubans would also work for my Botox. <laughs> uh, Marlena Shivo, see her online at uh, MarlenaShivo.com. Find John McDonough on all forms of social media at Captivist. Until then, keep asking questions.